0: You know, I've told you guys before, I'm from a little country town. When you look up rednecks, then you multiply rednecks times rednecks, then you'll find a town I grew up in. Hawk Point, Missouri. Very similar to War, West Virginia. They are, they're very much cousins. And people who can be medical doctors in Hawk Point are... Um, well, they're different from do- people that could, who could be doctors in other places like here in Volusia County. And so a friend of mine had hurt his leg really badly. And he, Jim, it's funny. Even, even if the rest of them don't laugh, will you laugh? Okay. So they go to the doctor and he said, my leg's really hurt." And I think we even have a picture. There we go. My friend goes to the doctor and, and he goes, I don't know what's going on. And uh, they don't have a lot of technology in Hawk Point. So the doctor had a stethoscope. And he put it down on the guy's thigh and he hears, You owe 10 bucks. Weird. He puts it down on his knee and he hears, You owe 20 bucks. Okay? Put it down on his ankle and he hears, You owe $50. Doctor sat back and didn't know what to do. And his friend said, Well, what? You know, what's going on? He said, Sounds to me like your leg's broke in three places. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. You get in line, I'll pay your gas to come to church if you'll just laugh. Okay, that's, uh. All right, let me tell you what today is. <clears throat> this is a very exciting day on the church calendar. If you're in a traditional type church, uh, this is, this is the day of Pentecost. Does anybody know what that means? It's 50. Pentecost, penta, penta means 50. And it is the 50th day from the resurrection. In history, this is very important because on the 50th day is when Jesus ascended to heaven. On the 50th day, the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, if you'll remember, it was that day of celebration that the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples and they all began to speak in other languages. And the gospel began to spread on that day. 3,000 men were saved. You remember that right? It's also... The day, 1,500 years before that, that Moses got the Ten Commandments on the mountain of Sinai and brought it down from the people. Now, I'm not a prophet, and I'm not telling you that it's going to happen today, but I think it'll happen on a day like today because God is very specific about, about how he does things and when he does things. And Jesus said this when he ascended, he said, just as I left, so will I come. Now, I'm not a prophet, so I'm not telling you it's going to be today, but it's going to be a day a lot like today, someday. But I want you to know this is a very special day on the church calendar because big, big events have happened. And we're going to jump right into the middle of that in chapter 14. Now, I want to start off by this. Three things that Jesus never said. This is where you might want to get a screenshot, all right? Three things Jesus never said. You are guaranteed to be healthy, wealthy, and successful. Now, that is taught in about 50% of American churches around the world. Now, I'm not saying Jesus is against those things, but I want to show you what Jesus did say. Jesus did say, if they hated me, they'll also hate you. Jesus said, if I had trouble, you will have trouble. And Jesus said, if I suffered, you will suffer. All right, you see where we're headed here? It's important for this message. Let's go back to that first screen. Now, here's how this looks. If you have health, use it for the glory of God. If you have wealth, use that for the glory of God. If you are successful, use that for the glory of God. There's nothing wrong with these three things, but to say that this is the normality for the church, take this into the slums of the Philippines and you'll find out very quickly that holiness and these three things have nothing to do with each other. God has always called his church to face difficulty, trouble, and persecution. And the reason I think the church is having such a hard time right now is because we believe the other part. And so when things do get tough, we don't know what to do. In fact, Psalm 11 said, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, if you're not careful, that'll sound defeated. Sounds defeated. Well, foundations are being destroyed. Marriage has been destroyed. Sexuality is being destroyed. Uh, everything everything we hold dear in our culture is being destroyed. What can the righteous do? Uh, let me help you. Because I've been underground a lot of times in caves. And the darker it gets, the smaller amount of light it takes to light up that room. And that's what the church of Jesus is called to be. And as the world gets darker, people are going to be looking to the light of the world, even if they don't know that it's Jesus, they're going to see maybe we've only got a 25 watt bulb on, but that 25 watt bulb is going to draw people to Jesus because people don't want to live in the darkness. And And then when we turn on the floodlights and expose this whole story of Jesus and the cross, people are going to come rushing to the gospel. It's a crazy world we live in. All right, At the Vatican, at the Vatican, at our embassy, we put up a gay pride flag. Now, I want to I tell you, all right? Now, again, we love all people. We don't like sin, all right? I'm full of sin, so don't think I'm preaching down at anybody. But when you glorify sin... You're in big trouble. And Thomas Jefferson said this. Thomas Jefferson said, God's justice will not sleep forever. Now, I don't know which bothers me more. That we put up a gay pride flag at the embassy at the Vatican, or that the Vatican didn't throw a fit about it. I'm not sure which of those bothers me the most. But I will assure you that God's justice will not sleep. That God will hold this country Accountable. So as we get into the story, let, I'm gonna tell you the first part of the story. So when we left off in chapter 13, the gospel started to go all over Turkey and all over Syria. It's, it's throughout Israel. It's, it's moving very quickly, city to city to city to state to county. It's, it's going everywhere. <clears throat> and everywhere we get the same story. It says lots of people, large numbers of people became followers of Jesus. And then it'll say something like this. And then the Jews came who didn't believe and stirred up the crowds to kill Paul. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. All right. I want you to think about the whole idea. I am so righteous as a Jewish person that I'm going to make it my mission to kill Paul. But they did. The same people that made a mission to kill Lazarus, to kill Jesus. It's the same idea. So Paul decides, you know, I'd really not rather stay here in town where they want to kill me and stone me to death. So he goes on to the next town. And in the next town, he wins all kinds of people to Jesus. Starts a new church. And the Jewish people followed him. And this time, they're going to catch him. This time they are going to catch him. But before they do, he finds a man who's lame and Paul prays over him and the man is healed and gets up. And Paul tells people all about Jesus. About the fact that Jesus is God. He's the Savior. He's he's resurrected from the dead. He he goes through the whole story. All these people become followers of Jesus. So much so, now remember this isn't a pagan society, that they rush out. And they believe that Paul and Barnabas are Zeus and Hermes. And they come out to offer sacrifices. They actually bring bulls out. And they're going to sacrifice a bull believing that Paul is a god. Now, do you remember what happened a couple chapters back when a guy, they said he was a god. And he didn't deny that he was god. He was struck down on the spot and eaten by maggots. That beautiful verse. Remember that? Well, so does Paul. And when Paul hears that they're about to sacrifice to him, Paul runs out in the crowd and most animated you'll ever see Paul, he says, no, 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 I am not a God. And then he starts preaching again. But no matter how hard Paul pushes them, they still want to sacrifice to him. But then we show you how quickly things change, how fickle people are. Stand with me. Here's where the story picks up next. So literally, we've got a city ready to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas, believing that they're gods, while they're telling them, no, Jesus is God. And here's what's happening on the other side of the street. Then some Jews came from Antioch, Syria, and Iconium, the last city in Turkey, and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking that he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. There it is again. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through, say this, many hardships. Huh. Let me ask you this question. Does anybody remember what Jesus' net worth was when he died? Guys, he died on the cross naked. I know the movie doesn't depict that for obvious reasons. They gambled away his underwear before he died. So when you hear these people saying, oh yeah, you're supposed to get rich out of this deal? No. Just a thought. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting. Committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, this is all in Turkey, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Adalia. From Adalia, they sailed back to Antioch, Syria, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work that they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them. And how he had opened the door of faith to all the ethnic peoples of the world. And they stayed there for a long time with the disciples. All right, you can be seated. So what's the first thing that happens? Well, there's a lesson here. If, If you've never experienced this, you will at some time in your life. People will be cheering for you one minute and calling for your head the next. So don't ever buy the news press that's written about you. Don't ever buy the stories that people are all excited about something you've done or said. Because people can change on a dime. And what happens in this story? A group of Jewish women show up and convince the whole crowd that just watched a miracle take place, a man get healed. They just heard about Jesus. They're ready to enshrine Paul as the God above all gods. And the next minute the crowd convinces them, now we need to kill him. And the crowd goes, yeah, I think you're right. That's how fickle people are. So Paul is stoned. Now, if you don't know how this worked, in the, it's, there's several examples in Scripture, but the last one we came across was in Acts 6 when Stephen was stoned to death. It, they would they would put it, get you in a circle or probably get you down in some kind of a hole and people would stand above and they would just they would just pound you they would pound you with rocks and boulders and anything they could find um, don't think they were throwing like pebbles at you uh, the goal is to kill you. And they did kill Stephen. And the question here, and it's very divided when you read the um, the scholars on this, whether Paul died and God brought him back from the dead or whether he was just horribly bruised. But But let me explain this to you. When the Jewish people left, they believed Paul was dead. So they had beat him mercilessly with these stones, all right? So he's either dead or he's almost dead. That's the important thing. Because in the next section, he stands up and just walks away. So there's a pretty good miracle here either way. Wouldn't you agree with that? All right, regardless, all right? And then how they how they handled that. But But let's talk about this for a minute. Now, certainly it would be trivial, trivializing what happened to Paul when we talk about us getting knocked down, all right, unless you've experienced something like this, then I doubt that you have. Christians in North Korea, Christians in Afghanistan, Christians in China, Christians in other parts of the world face this kind of stuff on a regular basis. It's sad, but it's true. So we don't have the kind of persecution that we're talking about here. We've got a lot of freedom and a lot of safety, but we do know what it feels like to get knocked down. And maybe you've been knocked down because of a marriage or maybe because of an affair, or maybe because of drugs or alcohol, maybe it's something one of your kids did, maybe it's something your boss did, but we all know what it feels like to get knocked down or to give your all for something. And then it just doesn't work out the way you thought that it would. Everybody's experienced what it feels like. To get knocked down, to get the wind knocked out of you, and you're just laying there. You're thinking, "Do I ever even want to bother getting up?" Listen, the whole idea of being a Christian is functioning while you're knocked down. If anybody's taught you otherwise, that you know, well, what, what Christianity really is—it's about riding around in a in a in a new Rolls Royce and and having your own chef. I mean, that, I watch these guys. I watched some of these preachers get your own private jet and... Does anybody know what Paul's net worth was when he died? Nothing. How about Peter? Wouldn't you have thought one of these guys would have had that? How come none of them got it? It skipped 20 generations. And then all of a sudden we decided that holiness is about how much money you have. Or how much property you own. Or how big a diamond ring you can wear. The false teachings that are out there are immense. What Jesus teaches is just the opposite. If you're following me, if you're truly following me, you're going to get knocked down. You're going to get knocked down for your faith. You're going to get knocked down just because of life. That's just a given. I love the story of Ernest Shackelford, who was the first guy to go to Antarctica. All right. He had a boat. <clears throat> sort of, given the time. And he put this ad in the paper. Men wanted, ladies, no offense, it was a male only trip. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honor and recognition in event of success. And Shackleton filled his boat. Because... Men wanted to do something great, and I believe the church wants to do something great. Sometimes we just got to be pushed. What is it that God's pushing you? Is it giving? Is it, is it giving? Is it serving? Is it fixing your marriage? Is it restoring some relationship? I don't know what you've been knocked down from, but the point is that we don't stay down. I read this story. That, uh, The Kardashians, I don't know. I can't keep track. They've probably been married several times since I I first got this story. But when Kanye West and Kim were getting divorced. All right, make sure I got the story right. The headline that day was, what is the cost of this divorce? I, I mean, I knew where they were going. Hundreds of millions here and hundreds of millions here. I wrote a note. I wrote a note on that, I printed it out, and on that piece of paper I wrote, the kids are the cost of this divorce. Because that's the price of every divorce. It's not about money, it's not about stuff. Now I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty, I am trying to help somebody that's maybe thinking, maybe it'd be better if I just did this, instead of going back and trying to fix things. I want to tell you, please give God another chance. Give God another chance. I know you've been knocked down. We've all been knocked down in all kinds of ways. In fact, here's how Paul says it in 2 Corinthians. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. So if I can explain those two verses, you'll be healthy, wealthy, rich. Everything will be perfect in your life. No. No. Paul was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was bitten by a viper. We could go on and on with all the stuff that happened to Paul. And Paul never had a thing. In fact, in Second Timothy's place where Paul's begging for a coat, please send me a coat. It's cold here. Alright? I mean, th- that's just how real this is. So we all know what it's like to be knocked down, but the question is, what do we do with that? So in the very next section, what happens? God's people get around Paul. Now, I want Luke to help me here. All right, This is frustrating because everywhere else, Luke. remember, Luke's a medical doctor, the guy that's writing this. Luke's a medical doctor. And everywhere else, he's given me so much detail. At the cross, he's given me all these details. He tells me about more cities than I care. You can you can plot their entire itinerary on every missionary trip they go on. He gives me all these details, but on this one, he gives me nothing. Paul was stoned and left for dead. They gathered around him. He got up and left. Yeah, thanks, Luke. Thanks for helping me here. We don't know what happened, but I'm going to assume, I don't think I'm leaping too far here, to believe that the church gathered around Paul and they prayed. Does that make sense to anybody? They prayed. And whatever God did, he got up and he's not even hurt. I mean, even if he's not dead, this man would have been laying in bed for months trying to heal. Broken bones and all kinds of whatever. And he gets up and he walks away. Now, that's going to get your attention if you're the folks there, all right? And what does he do? He goes right on to the next town, and he wins a whole bunch more people to Jesus. He keeps doing the same thing. So he got knocked down, but he got up. But here's what I want you to see. There's two keys to this story. Number one, it was Paul's relationship with Jesus that got him healed. And it was his friends that believed in prayer that got him off the ground. So I want to ask you, who's in your inner circle? Who are the people around you? It's not hard to see why people go wrong in our culture today. It's very simple. It's the people you run with. You want to make bad grades, flunk out, and get arrested? I can put you in that group tomorrow. You want to be successful, I can show you how to run with a whole different crowd of people. They think differently, they talk differently, they behave differently. The crowd you run with is what's going to make the difference. And that's why we so encourage you to get involved in a Bible study, a small group, a prayer group, a ministry group. Somewhere where you've got accountability. You've got people who are going to be with you, walk through life with you. Good times and bad times and help you through. Second Corinthians again. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Wait a minute, I've been knocked down. Yeah, but we don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. Let me help you. So, Paul has been shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, and he says these are all light and momentary afflictions. Why? Because he's comparing them to eternity. Light and momentary. So when you've been knocked down, you've been knocked down by life. You've been knocked down by grief. You've been knocked down by suffering. You've been knocked down by your health. Light and momentary because when eternity comes, everything will be right and will be right forever. It's an interesting view. So yeah, Paul got knocked down, we get knocked down. But with the help of God and some friends... He got back up. But the last part that's so impressive, he kept going. I mean, he could have said, you know what? It's, it's been fun, guys. It's been quite a run. I think I'm going to go into insurance sales. You know what I'm saying? I've pushed this one as far as I'm going to push it. No. He walks right to the next city. And then, if you keep reading, and in the prayer journal, this, this really popped. This is why it's nice to read things in different forms. In the prayer journal the first part of 14's here and, the, and the, the, the bottom of the page is the end of the chapter and I circled two words and drew a line between them. Iconium. The very city where the people stoned him, by the end of the chapter, he went back to that same city and preached again. Now, if you're the people that thought he was dead when you left... You chucked that last rock at him and you left and you're pretty sure Paul's dead. And I don't know, two months later, he walks in and he's preaching again. That would have probably got your attention, you think? But I'm amazed at Paul's passion and his courage. He doesn't flinch. He goes right back into the same battle amy carmichael this is a tremendous story if you don't know about amy amy i think is from the 19th century she was a missionary in india for 55 years she took care of orphan children and led them to jesus for 55 years this is her this is her quote she said she said we will have all of eternity to celebrate the victories but only a few hours before sunset to win those victories Fifty-five years of her life she gave in the slums of India helping kids find Jesus. Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians 5. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you're doing. So Paul gets knocked down. He gets back up. And his friends encourage him to keep right on going. If you don't have friends like that, you've got the wrong kind of friends. If you've got friends saying, see, I told you, told you that God was no good. I told you that church was no good. I told you that was crazy. You're in the wrong group of people. You want to get with people that will push your faith, drive your faith, encourage your faith, and that you'll do the same thing for them. Let me finish two things. John Vernon McGee said this. He said, silence is not golden. It's yella. Now, that's his word, yella. And this week, I was reading lots of evangelical Christians. the Evangelical just means people who believe in the gospel of Jesus and we hold to the Bible, okay? And they said, if the evangelical church in America doesn't stand up now, we're going to lose the whole country. It's now or never. You're hearing this message Everywhere throughout the biblical communities. But I'm going to leave you with this. Stephen Hawking was in a debate with a Christian uh, physicist named Lennox. And Hawking said, He said, Heaven is a fairy story. Where he got that phrase, I don't know. But Heaven is a fairy story for those who are afraid of the dark. And Lennox, the Christian, said, Well, atheism is a fairy story for those who are afraid of the light. And you and I have got to decide whether we're going to be on the side of light or the side of darkness. Listen, if you're online, let me tell you how this works. Pastor John's there. Other people are monitoring. In fact, this is one of the coolest stories. One of the ladies that monitors our online service, all right, there's about 1,400 people that watch online every weekend. And she grew up here, lives in Washington State. And she's one of our one of our hosts that is on there helping other people find Jesus. She came back into town last month and she accepted Christ and was baptized in the Halifax River. All right? That's uh that's the power of the online So Pastor John is there online. If you if you want to uh, hit that button, I've decided he'll be happy to talk with you. If you're here in the room, come down front. Decision sign there. There's a prayer sign over there. But you've got to choose, what am I going to do? Listen, you don't get to choose whether you're going to get knocked down. You will get knocked down. You get to choose whether you get up. And then when you get up, you got to decide, am I going to just... Give up on all this and go do something else? Or do I finish what God's called me to do? So, Lord, as we've finished this, I pray that those of us that are indeed wealthy by the world standards, healthy by the world standards, successful by the world standards, would use all that we have to advance the kingdom of God. And that we would not be afraid of trouble and hardship and persecution. But that we we would have the courage to live boldly even when we're knocked down. Father, I pray for a church that's willing to stand for marriage. Willing to stand for life. Willing to stand for the truth of the Bible. Willing to stand for the cross. Lord, would you move in the hearts of these people. In Jesus' name.